0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Oh, Billy, Dan, and Don were doing a... I guess a gig, you call it. <laughs> they are on the stern of a yacht. And uh, it was raining. And there was no cover. And all their equipment got wet. And they got wet. And uh, so we're just glad you're here this morning. We are so glad you're here today. Yeah, So yeah. And as we go to prayer, I just have a few items that I wanted to lift up. First off, um, heard from Mo and Margie, and uh, they are doing really well. But I wanted to read you, it's a brief email. First snow we've seen in 30 years, they're up in South Carolina. Copper, their little, their little pup, was so excited and flew and flew and flew around the fields. She then quickly gobbled up any chunks of fresh snow that we tucked in, that we, that she, that we, that we tracked in. Indy Cat is sitting at the window, mesmerized, and it's still coming down. We turned up the heat way up last night to keep the apartment warm, and in case we have a power outage, so smart, Inca Cat is snuggled up on her upstairs bed, super fun watching it, knowing that we can hunker down and don't have to go anywhere. Love you all, Mo and Marjorie. So they are... They are doing well and we we do miss them and we love them. And uh, also a matter of personal privilege uh, privilege in this case, my son up in Jacksonville Beach and his wife and all four kids, well, COVID's roaring through the household right now. And uh, when this happened to my daughter out in Bend, Oregon, she was kind of bummed because the three boys didn't act any different, you know? (laughs) You know how it is when kids are sick. They're supposed to be so warm and cuddly and needy. And well, the, the boys kept fighting and doing all the stuff they do. So, but I, uh, I just wanted to let you know my my son actually had to, tape a sermon. And so this morning, even as we are worshiping here this morning, Bryant will have a taped sermon or a recorded sermon. And um, but please, if it comes to mind, keep uh, them in your prayers. In our church, Gloria. Gloria Dominic as is at home. She's recovering from a, uh, a neurological event and uh, has got some compromised strength in her left leg. And, and uh, so please keep Gloria in your prayers. And, and of course, for Jack and Lucille, Lucille is facing some manner of surgery coming up soon. And uh, you know, they threw a party just a week ago yesterday and we talked about it briefly at our board meeting on Thursday. And, and Bill Allen, of course, was there. And he referred to it as a, as a flood of love. And so it was that day. So these two people are so loving. And they, they, of course, covet our prayers. And then Tony Tuttle, whom we haven't seen in some time. She took a fall a couple of years ago and, and has been pretty much at home. But her son, Dusty has been on our prayer list. And uh, he has had some successful surgery, but continued to need our prayers because his liver is low-functioning. So Dusty Tuttle, uh, son of Tony Tuttle, who is the youngest 90-whatever-year-old you'd ever want to meet. She's wonderful, a dear, loving, caring person. And inasmuch as that might be for many of you just names, And for others of you, there's a deep relationship that that you may have with them, but they all matter. And because you're never just a name and never just a face to God, you're never just a name or a face to us. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we are never just a name or just a face we are sacred in your your eyes and Lord in as as much as our life and the life of our neighbor is sacred we uphold that sanctity in one another and we ask O Lord that you would always give us a sense of the deep gravity with which we treat our neighbor that those around us may always know that they are, they are image bearers, they bear your image. And so, dear Father, may we be cognizant of that reality, even when we find ourselves in conflict with another. But Lord, we ask that, that given the realities of, of life and, and division and the politics of our time and the and the seeming division that seems to be deepening. Lord, we we ask that you would continue to make us evermore your church, evermore a a people that while we are called to be a a mighty army, we fly under the banner of your love. And so dear Lord, as your church, may we be agents of, of reconciliation wherever we are, wherever we go. And Lord, may we also likewise show our care, compassion, especially to those in need. May we remember that we never define out another as the least of our brother or sister. May we always see the other as, as sacred in your sight, and therefore life is powerfully meaningful and so lord may we honor that may we do everything we can and never redefining another as something less than human never refraining ourselves from marginalizing another with with a title a word that that brings them down from the the high pedestal of dignity that you provide for each person so lord we we pray this that that we might be those who reinforce and reaffirm the dignity in the other lord we ask that you would be with all of our people who are struggling at this time there are so many forms of affliction that that come upon us and they come upon us by surprise suddenly something's not working Suddenly there's an accident or there's just a surprise infirmity. Lord God, in this room are so many who carry so many afflictions that it seems so ordinary that that we may not pay close enough attention. May we do so, Lord. Reach out to one another with love. A love that you first showed us May it be, O Lord, that with that love we find our healing, our wholeness, and a deep and profound joy. We ask this, O Lord, in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ, who when he was with us taught us how we should pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And we bring to the Lord our God our tithes and our offerings. Now, Father, let we hear your word. Speak to us, O Lord. Rise us up above all that might distract us. give us a new sense of your power at work within us. Speak to us, O Lord. Move our hearts to respond. Refirm in us our faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm doing something that I really haven't done in my whole ministry. I'm going through the Gospel of John, which I've done, but I always preach the high points. I'm preaching the valleys. I've always kind of touched those very familiar passages that we all know now I'm doing the off passages those joining passages and so this morning we're going to be looking at the second part of the third chapter of John third chapter of course is where we get that wonderful passage that uh, that we all know so very well John 3:16, and so I'm actually not ignoring it. I'm just not preaching that particular passage. But the story about Jesus then going on to do some baptizing is a story that is preceded by a visit from a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he was part of the whole denominational culture of the the temple. And of course, Jesus has cleared the temple in in addition to doing all kinds of healings and speaking and all of that, but he he cleared the temple and this was a huge scandal to those who were in charge, to the denominational authorities in in the temple. And so they had to be talking, talking, talking. Who is this man? Who does he think he is? Some say he's from God. Some say he's got a demon. Who is he after all? Who's he really? And so, at night, Nicodemus comes out away from all of those others and he meets with Jesus and he says, we all know that you must be from God because these things that you're doing couldn't be done if they weren't from God. And then Jesus says, you must be born again. You must be born from above. You must have an entirely new origin to your life. Now, the answer didn't at all meet the question. <laughs> the answer that Jesus gave didn't address the question that he brought from all the other guys at the temple. Instead, Jesus didn't pay any attention to that discourse that that they were talking about. Instead, he went right to his heart. And he said, you need a whole new start. You need to be born again. You need to be born from God, born from above. It's a fascinating passage. Then, of course, Nicodemus says, how can I be born again when I'm old? Do I re-enter my mother's womb as if he was not taking Jesus seriously. And instead, Jesus goes on to reaffirm that he must be born of the Spirit. Flesh is flesh, and Spirit is Spirit. You must be born of the Spirit. And so Nicodemus went away that night, having heard from Jesus about this something that he really... Didn't fully understand, but somewhere along the way, he got it. And Nicodemus himself participated in the burial of Jesus. He was there to take care of Jesus' body when Jesus died. So something happened. Something happened in in Nicodemus' experience that changed him. In other words, in reality, he was probably born again born from above, born of the Spirit. And in doing so, he began to listen to the Word of God at a higher octave. No longer just listening to the other guys and all the talk that they were in. He began to listen directly to the Lord. And the Lord directed him to participate in the burial of Jesus. Hear the word of God now as it continues and comes to us from the end of the third chapter. And then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them there baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must increase and I must decrease. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true, for he is sent by God. He speaks God's words, for God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. I I read a phrase recently that, that just struck me, stuck with me. The phrase was simply, politics is downstream from culture. I thought, that's good. Politics is downstream from culture. Then I thought, now what's upstream from culture? What's above culture? What is that which informs a culture? And it seems to me what Jesus is saying and what John the Baptist is saying is that when God speaks, that's the stuff that comes to us that is above culture. That's that which is above all of the the stuff of this earth, the the worldly stuff that we live with day in and day out. And the encouragement is that we listen to what, what God has to say. And so when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, he's calling upon Nicodemus to listen, not to what the others are saying. But what does God say? And likewise, when Jesus is there baptizing at the Jordan River, and John is up north, John and Jesus are about the same business, but John himself says, what Jesus says is from God. It's upstream from all of the stuff that we talk about, because he's he has some of his people saying, "Well you know they 're baptizing down there, and we 're baptizing up here, and there are more people going to him than coming to us and John is saying it doesn 't matter it 's irrelevant. that is the stuff that we at this level talk about, but how do we get above that? How do we get above the realities of of our of our cultural mainstream way of thinking and so what is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the Spirit gives us ears to hear and eyes to see in an entirely different way. And it gives us a way of listening and, and learning. And, and yet, without that, in our time, it seems that, that the, the truth, which would be above culture, Revelation, the revealed Word of God, the will of God, which would be above culture, well, these seem to be kind of irrelevant instead we have a um we have a a time that is sort of self promotional i I heard some pundits going back and forth recently and and one was questioning the veracity of this particular pundits affirmations and assertions and said well that perhaps he was being biased and he said well everyone's biased so there's no such thing as bias and so it doesn't really matter in other words the only thing that really matters is what he says and what he says as an affirmation constitute truth to him his truth and we hear that all the time. What is your truth? And so rather than being concerned about what the truth is, seems to be a time when we're we're talking about what is what is my truth. And and if it's my truth, it's no truth at all. So we we've got it, we've got it kind of backwards so that. I feel, therefore, I know. If I feel something really strongly, that is the validating reality that allows me and gives me what I need to make an assertion and to to declare to others that that constitutes truth because it's my truth. That's just the stuff that's going around in culture. It's not above culture that's simply one more reflection of culture jesus is saying get above that get upstream from culture get to a place where you understand what the reality of of the truth is as god has revealed it and truth is not simply a set of propositions truth is a person jesus says i am the truth in life no one comes to the father but by me and so the challenge is how do we get upstream from culture so that we're not simply being informed by what is the current set of narratives that we're all exposed to and and then downstream from that the politics that's so horrifically divide the politics that, that are giving rise to so much, so much fighting and discord. So I, I want to make what sounds like a simple affirmation as a pastor, but also as a person. How do we get above? How do we get upstream from culture? come to church God willing as a church we're not downstream from culture simply preaching what is already going on out there and so many churches are doing that downstream from culture and many churches are even downstream from politics because they're adopting their, their views from the political narratives whether left or right it doesn't matter but that is not the work of the church The work of the church is to get us all up above all of that stuff. And by above, I don't mean better than. By above, I mean when we find ourselves in that place, we find ourselves deeply humbled by the reality. Just a couple of things that I wanted to share. One from Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God... Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and taking the form of a servant. So Christ himself emptied himself of his divine prerogative. And then the Apostle Paul, the very first time he writes about the resurrection, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according with the, to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred. And in other words, he said, I'm not doing anything but passing on that which I received. I'm just passing it on. That's not prideful. That's one who is under receiving that which was above him and that was the revealed reality of God's will and God's word and so I, I just think it means going to church praying reading your Bible being in fellowship with one another really simple stuff Pew Research came out recently and said a minority of Americans are now involved with any religious organization. Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Muslim, any at all. A minority, first time in American history that that we are under the culture, as a culture, under politics. And instead, our calling is to be born again, be born from above, to be born of the Spirit. And let the reality of God's Spirit be the animating reality of our hearts and lives. And that we live by the truth that is not propositional, not the kind of stuff we can sit down and argue about. We church types can, we can argue about doctrine and, and all of that. And, you know, we have 2,000 years of history of that. But there is a higher truth that is simply an affirmation of that Christ is alive. And the Spirit of God has taken up residence in our hearts. And that is the fondama- fundamental, foundational truth that, that we proclaim as the Apostle Paul said, I simply passed on what I got. And as Jesus said, I defer to the Father. Even Jesus humbled himself and defers to the Father. And so we, we live with an open heart, open mind to listen, to hear what God would say to us. You know, every, every pastor, every preacher I know has had experiences where whether or not they thought they did well really doesn't matter. But they may hear at the door or in the room or, or weeks later, Pastor, what you said back then, it meant so much to me. And then I think, and I, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> and I, I thank them, but I can't really take credit. And even if I did say it, and even if I do remember it, I don't take credit. Because I stand here not as a representative of our culture, certainly not a representative of any political opinion or position. I'm here, to as best I can, to pass on that which I have received. And in doing so, every every single week I struggle with what what would God have me say? What is the truth that God would have me have me repeat? Not make up. And I don't get it from the newspaper. I don't get it from just chat. I try to get it from the Lord. And there are times, I believe, in all of our lives when he breaks through to us. And it doesn't have to be a a dramatic moment but somehow there are instances in our lives that, that somehow it is just known. And it doesn't constitute that which becomes normative for theology or anything like that. But it can be normative and an inflection point in our lives. So in 2006, late August, after the denominational authorities removed me from the pulpit of First Presbyterian Church. I was absolutely devastated. And I thought I was done. Didn't know that I had any future in ministry and this this calling that I have deep in my heart. And I went out to California to see my brother. And you know there's something therapeutic about burritos and beer. <laughs> and so I was with my brother out there and we were having a great time and he was in Bakersfield at the time, and we drove out of Bakersfield up towards Sequoia National Park, and we just wanted to get to a high place where we could see the mountains and see the valley. So we, we drove together. We were talking about nothing in particular. and There was this large place off the road, a large parking lot that uh, would turn off. And so we got out and a glorious, beautiful day late August it was hot but it was beautiful we looked out over the valley and it was a little hazy out there we couldn't see the mountains on the far side even though we strained but then we looked at the sequoias that were looming over us and when I began my walk into the ministry I had been up in the sequoias with a bunch of high school kids i to a peak, an isolated peak at about 13,000 feet. Looked down a glacial valley up to Mount Whitney, which is almost 15,000 feet. And I asked myself, if I could be any- anywhere in the world, where would I be? And I'd be right there. If I could be with anyone in the world, who would I be with? I'd be with those kids. And if I could be doing anything else in the world, well, I was heading to law school at that point. And walking down, I remember thinking, maybe I need to do this. Maybe this is what God wants me to do. And I remembered thinking that when I was standing in the parking lot with my brother, surveying those peaks. And I looked, and I saw the peak that I sat upon those many years earlier. I stopped. I was surprised, but I looked at it. And I thought, yeah, that's it. That's the peak. Now, that moment was nothing... It's not like the, the heavens opened or anything like that. I didn't see any angels or anything of that sort. But God said to me, Anderson, stay at it. Stay at it. It was an affirmation, a reaffirmation of my call into ministry. And I felt like the Lord had revealed that to me. I believe the Lord reveals things to each of us. And ordinarily, it's through ordinary things. It can be on a hot, sunny afternoon in Southern California, looking at mountains. It can be on a drive. It can be in publics, It can be anywhere at all where you are. The Lord can reveal things to you. Not that are out of the ordinary, but constitute the very ordinariness of real life into which Christ came. The ordinariness of life. So when we simply experience those moments, As we strive daily to rise above, which is to be below, to be humble and to see things as as God would have us see them, have our eyes wide open, and not be so proud of our opinions. One of the best things that can happen to us in this life is to be wrong. Not to be so assertive of our stuff. But to listen long. And to hear. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord will speak. Maybe the Lord will have a word for you. Will you bow with me in prayer? Oh, Lord. Give us what each of us need, each one of us, to follow your call. You must increase in us, and we must likewise decrease. And so we we ask, O Lord, that in that exchange of dignities, We trade in our fleshly human self and take on your image and likeness so that you might increase in us. We pray, O Lord, seeking you. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.